You're listening to Pole Parlor, a fun, inspiring podcast for all those bewitched by pole dance. Each week, your Madam Crimson Minx has candid conversation with unique, engaging individuals from within and around the pole dance community. Pole Parlor is passionate about preaching creativity, soulful sensuality, and empowerment through pole dance. You know how we do. Welcome everyone to Pole Parlor. This is episode 32, Nadia Sharif. I'm your host, Crimson Minx. This week, we have the one and only Nadia Sharif. On this episode, we talk about how Nadia transitioned from an engineer to a full-time pole dancer, what inspires her unique style of movement, and how it can be applied by dancers of all levels, and her experience jet-setting around the world as an international pole star. This interview is really fun, and I freaking adore Nadia's legit enthusiasm and love for all things pole. So don't forget to check out Nadia's post-podcast interview on the blog at poleparlor.com where she shares her favorite photos, music, video, and more. And I would also love to connect with you on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, Spotify, YouTube, everywhere. I am at Pole Parlor on everything, so I hope to find you all on the social media as well. So now, here is Nadia. Okay, welcome Nadia Sharif to the Pole Parlor Podcast. How are you today? Yay, I'm doing fantastic. Oh, good. So glad to have you with us. And we will jump right on in to the first question that we ask everyone. For how long have you been pole dancing and how did you first discover pole? Um, I've been pole dancing about nine years. I discovered pole via YouTube. I was like an aspiring uh, B-girl. I like was a street performer as a younger child, and I would see the B-boys, and as I started to get older, I was like, I want to do that. I want to be like them, and I was pretty bad. I mean, I'm still pretty bad, too, today, um, but because of break dancing, I was like watching a lot of YouTube, and you know when you just start clicking and clicking and clicking, yeah. and then I ended up on that Felix Kane video, you know, the off with their head. Everyone brings up a Felix Kane video at some point during their interview. She I had, mean, yeah, she's an introductory drug to pole dance for a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, like bow down to the queen. She was the reason I like. So I went to IKEA and then I just like installed this like piece of closet, I guess, like you know the rod that you hang things on. I just like went into my attic, like drilled it in and then just started like drinking sparks that are like now illegal. Yes. Those were, yes. Those (laughs) dangerous, but (laughs) they got me where I'm at today. (laughs) If it it helped you get your pole dance on, on your shower curtain rod that you were dancing on. (laughs) That's amazing. So this was, you said nine years ago. So this was in, um, 2007. Yeah, end of 2007. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. And so were you doing anything else at the time or were you just like a full-time B-girl performer? Um, I was actually like in university, like being an engineering student and just like at the time, I think I was, um, I was doing two other jobs. I was a semi-professional poker player oh, cool. and um, yeah, I was really aspiring. And then um, I was also a body piercer. So those were like my, my part-time jobs 
And then when I found pole dancing, um, my mom actually told me about a place called Jumbo's Clown Room. Your mom told you about Jumbo's. Okay, my mama. Yeah, she was like, oh, you'll love this place. She went there on a date with her boyfriend. And she's like, my little Nadia could do that. And she told me to go. And I checked it out. And I was like, this place is dope. And I I worked there for a summer. um, And it was like really set the tone of like how I dance till today. Definitely. Yeah, for those, we talk about it on the podcast all the time. But if you haven't um, caught it, uh, Jumbo's Clown Room is like a bikini, um, like, bar in Los Angeles. But, you know, you throw dollars. It has a pole on stage. It's sexy as hell. Um, It's just not all nude. But, um, yeah, so that is where a lot of people seem to, that I've spoken to in Los Angeles, seem to pass through there. At yeah, some point definitely. Of their pole dance adventures. That's so cool. So, like, your mom wasn't like throwing you shade for stopping the engineering thing, or? Uh, well, I still continued with engineering, okay. and yeah, it was like really part time. And my mom has always been, you know, really into the arts. She was um, an elite gymnast growing up, so she always wanted me to be, you know, a dancer, a gymnast, a mover, and she's always been very supportive of that. Um, she's like very. Hispanic so like she's not one to be like prude she you know I I grew up with her like in mini skirts and high heels like in the kitchen that's just how she was so like (laughs) she does you know she was she's always been very supportive and um I'm really blessed to have her as a mother oh that's so cool so you um definitely have your own style of pole dance how would you describe it because when you said like b-girl I definitely get it sense of that but what else influences your dance style um I feel like there's sort of like two ways to to dance in my mind and there's like you know when I'm in a a classroom like a dance class um I'm gonna do as I'm told and I'm gonna try to follow the rules and I'm gonna try to apply the techniques that the teacher is giving me but then there's that other side that's just really really live and that's like from street performing, from, you know, dancing at jumbos where you just go off pure vibe and you kind of go into something with no expectations. I go in and just, you know, kind of just let myself be one with the music. So my dance style is just going to change depending on what's playing. So if it's hard rock, I'm going to go hard. If it's, you know, soft lyrical, I'm going to do however I interpret that. Yeah. Um, vibey, free I don't know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, I feel like you have, you definitely have some, um, like it's almost like has like gymnastics. Um, it seems like South American to me. It seems a bit mm. like you have, um, backgrounds in other areas, like other dance styles that is influencing it. You're not like a typical type of like flowy, um, traditional dance. Right. I do study like um, capoeira, which is, yeah, like, yeah. That's what I was searching. Like, there's a word. I'm not thinking. The what is it? Thank you. That is what is in my mind. I was like, I I guarantee she has to practice that. Okay. So that's what that is. That's. It's kind of interesting because, like, my coach is actually the person who got me into it. And she always said that I just kind of naturally would move in that sort of rocking falling sort of a feel and so she's like you should just do capoeira because it looks like you're doing capoeira anyways and I would try it and I'd be like 
uh, I don't know, like this classroom is like slow or it's kind of annoying, but I kept trying in different places around the world whenever I got the chance. Yeah. And um, yeah, Capoeira and African are two that like okay. I vibe with really well. They're just very free. Technique is optional, you know, like secondary is like no, like pointed toes and straight lines are not a primary, um, you know, rule in those movements, which is why I like them so much. Yeah, well, you definitely stand out of having like your own unique style, which I think really contributes to your success, you know, do people who think you thing. Yeah, of course. So am I correct that now you are a full time like performer, polar? Yeah, so I, um, I left my engineering career in 2012. Actually, I got like, you know, those Facebook um, on this day, or whatever. So on this day, I four years ago, I left in my first European tour. And so it's been at least four years that I've been a full-time touring artist um, and supported myself in some magical way with um, pole dancing only for the last four, four years. Yeah, what does that look like? Like, how do you go what, from amateur dancer to professional dancer? Yeah, like, what's that look like? <laughs> sure you know, it was like... Easy. It was really strange. It was like in 2012, I had a really good year and I, um, I won three competitions, a state, a national and an international competition with my doubles partner. Um, and uh, Mina mechanic who we had on the podcast before. So Mina, yeah, that's my girl. (laughs) And, um, so I had a really good year. And so I thought it was also like, um, I had, I was just transitioning. Like I was, I was working as a full-time engineer while competing and it was like, I mean, sleep was not happening at all, ever. Um, just like, go, 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 working like 60, 70 hours a week. Um, and so after I won those competitions, I was like, great, this is a perfect way for me to retire. I'm amazing. I won. Um, I'm good. I'm just going to have my little engineering job and like maybe I'll just do some handstands on the side for funsies. And so when I was working, I kept getting like offers like, oh, do you want to come to Brazil and teach workshops? And I'm like, yeah, but I have a job. Do you want to come to Amsterdam and teach workshops? Uh, yeah, but I have a job. And I kept turning down all of these offers. And finally, I just, I honestly, I got like sick in the head from trying to like balance these two lives and trying to do like weekend gigs and just having no sleep, not taking care of myself. And then finally, I just lost it, left my engineering job and was like, I basically jumped with no safety net and just hoping that the universe would take care of me. And hey, well, I've been doing okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Good for you that that worked out. So that was about, uh, was that like 2011-ish then um, when you started kind of touring and doing it full time? Just trying to put a timeline together. Uh, Yeah, somewhere around there. I want to say it was probably early 2012 that I like left my job and then didn't I think I didn't do anything for like two months. I was like on a medical leave because I wasn't really balanced in life. (laughs) And, uh, but I was getting paid (laughs) from engineering because, you know, I was working then. Right. Thank God for that. And, uh, so I think I just had that time to sort of figure out what was happening. And so I think I started touring probably around mid 2012. Yeah. Somewhere around there. Mid to late, maybe. Do you feel like concentrating on the pole and just having one thing to focus on kind of brought you that more like mental balance as well? 
you get to like express yourself or it's just kind of like it does feel better yeah like it does feel so much better that I get to move and do what I want to do um but pole dancing is still I have found like a very legit job like you can't you know you have to be on point in a lot of ways you have to communicate with people and you have to you know schedule your life right nobody's writing you a check every two weeks so you got to make sure that you have enough gigs to supply that and that you're not you know, there comes a point where like you get really desperate, you know, like November, December, January, it's like cold and dry. Nobody wants to hire you and it's Christmas and we got no money. And that is a real life struggle, you know, so you just have to maintain um, integrity even during during the hard times and, you know, still realize that studios are supporting you and you have to be sure to continue to support the community that is supporting you, you know, so it's a lot of work, a lot of unpaid work that, you know, doesn't really get on the books anywhere but um I just feel really grateful for all of it yeah it's a it's a hustle when you're not actually doing it you're hustling to book things and to like make it work and promote yourself which is like how you then get more booking so yeah now yeah so you it sounds like you travel a lot first of all how often are you on the road I want to say like the last three or four years I've probably been on the road about 40 to 50 percent of the year Um, so it's a lot and being on the road could mean like I'm going to the Midwest. It could mean I'm going to Florida. It could mean I'm going to South America, Australia, Africa, you know, Europe, Asia, you name it, you know, it could be anywhere. Um, and it's, it's sometimes it's like an amazing feeling to just be like, peace out LA. Sometimes I'm like, Oh, I'm missing my niece's birthday or, Oh, it's Thanksgiving and I'm alone and Asia or something, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it gets, it can be really hard. Wow. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I feel you. I'm not a huge traveler, so I feel like I would struggle with that. But yeah. let's talk about some of the good points. Like, what, where are some amazing places you've traveled? And do you have any, like, travel stories for us or anything like um, that? Sure, yeah. Oh, my God. Well, there's a lot of places that have, like, a huge piece of my heart. Like, um, I... I'm actually going to New Zealand for my third time. I'm like leaving tonight to get over the pond. Um, But New Zealand like has my heart. They are just the sweetest people and so kind and cute. And um, the first time I actually showed up, I like smuggled in apples from Australia. Yeah, like I didn't think it was a big deal, but it was like a huge deal. And I got like a ticket and they were like, telling me that I'm lucky that they weren't going to incarcerate me and all this stuff. And I was like, what the heck? Like, I'm so sorry. I brought in apples from Australia and they got a huge ticket anyways. So, you know, I went to the studio owner and I told, you know, she picked me up and I told her what happened. And she was like, Oh yeah. Like you can't bring in fruit from other countries. There I go. Okay. So, uh, I told her like, man, you know, they wrote me a really fatty ticket and she's like, well, one of my um, students that's signing up for your workshops, works at calendar girls which is like a like strip club okay and there's like a chain of them in New Zealand so I worked at like basically all the calendar girls in New Zealand in that in the nights and they they like had me as a feature dancer and like I made all my money back and more and that was like I was telling everybody like I'm Miss Stripper New Zealand now like put it on my titles Oh my gosh, yeah. Nicest strippers I've ever met. I've, you know, dabbled with some of the strip clubs in L.A. And, like, 
I feel like I'm going to get murdered by the females. Some of them are just like, they want to just eat you alive. Like, especially if you're featuring, you know, like they're not the friendliest of people. It's Hollywood, you know, Hollywood can be any kind of way, but the people in, yes. Yeah. But New Zealanders, like the Kiwis. Oh my God. They were like, Oh, you're so great. Oh, if you need to borrow an outfit, you could borrow mine. I'm like, what? You guys are amazing, beautiful people. So I definitely, New Zealand is like one of the, top places on my list what are the strip clubs like there like well it's interesting because the first time I um featured I thought everybody hated me and like didn't like my style because nobody throws money on the stage and so I was like uh looking on the floor like where's where's my money though and then I realized so I just sat down and was like okay whatever at least you know I'm I'm here I'm having a drink I'm having a good time and then one of the girls is like, no, you have to go around and ask them. And when they give you money, it's not real money. It's like calendar girls money. And then you turn that money in at the end of the night and they give you like real New Zealand dollars. So it's like, okay, I didn't know that process. You know, they don't do that in Hollywood. Like you get ones on the floor and you yeah. leave with what you got, you know? Because <laughs> there is it because they have <laughs> coin currency or something and that... I don't know. I think maybe it's like, so you don't like lie on percentages, you know, like you're supposed to pay a cut. Maybe it doesn't feel, I don't, I really have no idea why they do it that way, but it worked for you. Yeah. Like once I figured out what was going on, I was like, okay, I'll go around, say hi to everybody, collect my calendar girl's money. I actually still have one. I save it for my little memento. Oh, that's awesome. So are you, when you go back, are you going to Work the, work at Calendar Girls or not this? Time? I I mean I might if the girl's still there and I have any energy left. I'm like, I don't think I have not one day off in New Zealand. But if I have any energy at all, I'll definitely um, reach out to the girl and see if they're interested in hiring me again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is perfect because I'm so curious. Like when you're on tour, you know, what's it like? So when you're going to New Zealand, like what's an average like day or week? Or, you know, how long is your trip? So what what does it all entail? Um, like, when I get to New Zealand, I'm going to this um, city. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right, but it's called Invercargill, I think. And it's, like, the very, very southest point of New Zealand. And there's, like, it's a very small airport. So to even get there it takes, like, a day and a half, even though it's not that far away from the Gold Coast. Um, and so that's, like, a huge travel just to get there. And then when I'm there, I'm teaching... Um, three workshops, you know, over two days. And then I fly out to another city and I have like a travel day, which is my day off. And then another day of workshops, I think in Wellington, which is the next city I'm going to, it's like four days, three studios and something ridiculous, like my new um, twist and intensive, which is a two day, eight hour program, plus like eight workshops on top of that. So if you could just teach, eat, sleep and have a beer, like, you're golden. If there's any, you know what I mean? Like that's all I, if that's all I do, then I'm great. You know, like just functioning can be difficult because like also you're seeing people. Um, for me, I'll know a lot of people there. And so it's like a lot of energy to like, just be with them. And it feels so good to just, and it's like sleep is like a maybe, you know, like, Oh, four or five hours, whatever, get up and do it again. So it's crazy and hectic, but like the love just like feeds you. You know, the love just, like, keeps you going because it's, you know, people are just so stoked, and I'm stoked, too. 
That's cool. So how long are you, do you are you going coming right back um, to the U.S. after New Zealand? Or do you just, since you're over there, do you continue going to other countries? Um, no. So I'm just doing um, a camp in Australia, which is a weekend camp. I'm, I'm leaving tonight. And then um, I spend about 12 days in New Zealand. And then I go home. Okay. Yeah. So it's about a two, a little bit more than a two-week trip, which is like, Plenty. It's plenty. Yeah. Okay. So I have a better idea of what this this whole touring thing is all. It's chaotic. It's definitely chaotic and crazy, and you don't know like what type of a you know hotels vary. Like they're not Western style everywhere you go. So you walk in, you're like, and this is what a hotel looks like in Iceland. Okay. (laughs) You know. Okay. Nice to know. And so you just don't know. You know what what to expect. Um, food is different, air is different, water is different, like hotel rooms are different, beds are different, cultures are different, and you just have to be very adaptable. And luckily, I feel like I've grown very accustomed to just being adaptable and going with the flow. Low maintenance lifestyle helps with that. Yeah. And, st- and don't put fruit in your suitcase for crying out loud. And that's not, I know, I always get burned. That's like the third time I get burned with exotic fruits, like big time smuggler right here. <laughs> Uh, so okay so when you're not touring what's your life like then so do you like teach at a studio or are you doing like what else are you you up to when you're not traveling the world um yeah so when I'm in LA I usually take that as my me time where I train myself I do a lot of cross training I'll take like um you know lots of different martial arts classes like right down the street from me I live in a very Asian um, like community. Um, and so we have like Hapkido, Wushu, Taekwondo, um, all kinds of different, uh, martial arts, um, Muay Thai. And so I love taking that and Capoeira, um, and then just like messing around in the studio, definitely always just to try to, you know, explore, discover, mess around. Um, and then as income, like I just do privates, um, Yeah, and but it's hard to teach because then I just like mess with the flow of the studio. To be honest, it's like, hey, I'm home for four weeks. Um, put me on the schedule, and then when I'm gone, yeah. just change your change your whole schedule for me. So I, I don't like to, yeah, I don't like to like mess with the studio schedule too much. Um, so I usually just, yeah, that's why I have to travel so much too because it's like almost impossible to, you know, just only teach pull, um, like. In L.A., it's, yeah. yeah, it's not, it doesn't make much sense, yeah. Are you still doing, like, competitions and stuff, or are those days over? I want to say those days are over. Um, I'm really trying to think, like, what could bring me out of that. I mean, I did do Miss Pole Dance America, which yeah. brought me, like, way out of my competition, like, flow. I was pretty much done with serious competitions in 2012, Um I did do IPC um, in 2013 with my doubles partner, and I kind of thought, like, all right, let's just let, let's leave it at that. It cost so much money that it was just, like, uh, I couldn't get myself to do it. Um, but Miss Pole Dance America was, like, wow. It just, like, hit me, like, oh, this is what competing is like. I forget how much training and time and energy goes into it. Um, but like seeing that piece come to life and having that video, I was just like really proud of, of the piece that I put together. So I was like, 
okay, worth it. Um, but maybe not in a rush to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll put the yeah. video link in the show notes so people can check it out. I mean, it's such okay, an honor cool. to be nominated for that. And your piece mm-hmm. was so energetic and so fun and so creative. I Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I had a good time doing it. Yeah, but I'm sure the preparation is just intense. Like, just imagine listening to that music, like waking up. <laughs> having your coffee and putting that music on with your monster heels and like giving that in the studio with like one person or zero people sitting there. Like you have to dig deep, you know, to pull that out. (laughs) Yeah. You got to be into it for serious. There's no like half missing that. Mm -mm. No. I want to bring up your monster heels since you, since you mentioned that. You, what is like the average size heels? Like, first of all, I feel like I always see you dancing in heels. I don't ever, well, I'm sure I've seen you barefoot, but not, it's not coming to memory. I always Mm. picture you in my head dancing in like 10 inch heels. (laughs) What's up with that? How do you, Uh, Yeah. when did you start doing that? (laughs) So the first person that I saw wear 10 inchers is um, Tiffany in Glasgow, Scotland. She owns a pole physique. And she is, she's like an animal. I actually adore her style and watching her dance. Um, cause she just is so live and raw. And so when I saw hers, I was like, Oh, those are fucking cool. Um, and I would have stolen hers, but they weren't my size. So luckily like bad kitty and, um, and pleasers have like a family. Um, so I can get like tons of pleasers. So I ordered, um, a pair of 10 inches and I was like, okay, I'm just going to try these out. And when I put them on, I literally, I felt like I was walking in stilts and I never once thought like, these are sexy. I always thought like, these are pretty fucking ridiculous and they're kind of heinous and I feel ridiculous and crazy and nothing is easy. Everything is difficult. And I just love them because they look like, like something else. Yeah. It's like not even stripper wear anymore. It's like next level weirdo circus shit. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Whenever I see 10 inch, I'm not like, Oh, hot fish. I'm like, how the fuck does she walk in those? Like that's yeah. intense. she's so talented. It does. Your brain goes to a different place when they get that high. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, so since I wore the 10 inches, I started like really loving the weight at the end of the, and it kind of goes with like this movement theory that I have. That's like, you know, into like a lot of swings and throws to create momentum. And when you start putting that much weight at the end, it starts to almost get like pendulum ricochets. Like it messes with the physics of it too. So that kind of like got me off. And I was like, I think I'm, I'm loving these. So now like my average size heel is like an eight inch to a 10 inch and like anything less than that feels almost too light. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's like wearing ankle weights. Really? They're extremely heavy. They're like five pounds each. The, the, the 10 inchers, which is extremely difficult to just like inversions are crazy hard. Um, but it also messes with like the twists and the techniques, which is kind of how I came up with the, the twisted intensive. It's like, just a whole different technique on, on everything, climbing, inverting. Um, that's just kind of, yeah, a little bit different from what the traditional, um, classes are going to teach. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, um, do you have any tips for us on how to walk in really high heels and not break our ankles or is it just something you Uh, have to keep doing and just get used to it? Um, I, I used to like train in the studio with Phoenix Casary and she would be like on the pole doing stuff and I would just put on my 10 inches and walk and straight up fall. 
Okay, so it happened to you too. Okay. Oh, yeah, like falling while walking would be the most difficult thing anybody could do. Once you get on the pole or holding the pole, your chances are a lot better. Handstanding, you're okay, but like walking, just like take your time. Take your time, keep your weight on top of you, don't get too creative just step, you know, like figure out a way to get into a crawl so you can like sexy slither to the pole or something. That's definitely something that has saved me is like, I have, um, a really good falling technique and sort of just awareness. So I've fallen a lot. Um, I've even fallen like on stage and like when you play it back, it looks like I meant to do that. Yeah. But, um, (laughs) replaying that in my head, it was scary. Yeah. Okay. So if you're in high heels and you catch yourself falling, just fall, make it as cool as possible. Go with it. Yeah. What else are you going to do? You know, it's already happening. So now like the next thing is like, how do I play this off? (laughs) Definitely. Like just go with it. Roll hair whip and take your time to stand up. Okay. Good. Good thing to note. I'm going to remember that. (laughs) Not that I wear 10 inch heels, but maybe someday. (laughs) And so you mentioned before that you have like relationships with like Pleaser and Bad Kitty. And I know you also have a relationship with UPA. So Mm -hmm. like, how did those start? And what what are those relationships? Um, Well, I'm a Bad Kitty like um, brand ambassador. And I think how it started was, I mean, I was always kind of in the mix with Bad Kitty, like the owners as friends. Um, So as soon as I met them, we just kind of clicked. And um, I was doing doubles with Mina, who was like their first brand director. And so they would always like send both of us outfits, you know, so it was like Trisha um, Stone used to have this joke that it was like, oh, I love you guys. It's like I buy one and I get one free. And I'm like, oh, I'm the free one. I realize that. (laughs) And um, so I think it was just like only a matter of time before they were like, okay, we'll make you a brand ambassador. Everything's the same. You still get a bunch of stuff from us. So it was like a very natural transition for them. And they're the ones that have a connection with Pleaser because they um, sell Pleasers on their site. So as part of like our um, contract, you know, we get, a, we get lots of stuff. And one of those stuffs is pleasers. Yay! <laughs> that is just worth it in and of itself, my goodness. Right. Um, same thing with UPA. Anne-Marie was one of the first people that I've actually ever met in the pole industry outside of Jumbos. Even though she was working at Jumbos, I never worked with her. Like, she was, like, cool and, and like, an OG at Jumbos and getting, like, Friday nights and Saturday nights. And I was, like the Tuesday day girl shift. So like I never met her at Jumbos, you know? So, um, I actually auditioned for my first competition, which was put on, um, like co-ran by Anne Marie. And so I auditioned for her live and it was like, you know, just like the first person I ever met. Um, and I just sort of like kept working with her cause I ended up competing in that competition and kept seeing her around and we became friends and, you know, she, started UPA like I've been with UPA since the beginning just supporting her on like a personal level and so when everybody started to grow you know UPA grew I grew it was also just a really natural relationship to sort of form yeah for those um if you don't know UPA is United Pole Artists and um you can go back to a past episode. Um, Nadia's talking about Amory Davies, who's the founder and is an OG polar. And so you can go back to the archives and check out the podcast with her and to, to learn more about UPA. 
And cool. so you now, so you've been with them from the beginning. I didn't know that. That's mm. really cool. Mm. Um, and you have something called Twisted TV. Yeah. Okay, so like, what is that? Okay. So Twisted TV is basically a channel that's, it's the Nadia channel, but like, I didn't want to call it the Nadia channel. Um, and it's what it is. It's, um, it's a collection of, uh, workshops that you can watch. So a lot of people really want me to come to their studio, but I can only be in one place at one time. So I created this, um, for people to be able to watch my workshops and learn from me, um, in a really similar setting. So I taught the workshops like I would teach them live. Like I had a student or two or three and went through every movement that I would normally do in a live workshop. So you can kind of go onto the channel and see right now we have seven workshops on there, three of them in doubles and four of them in a variation of, of different workshops like spins on static floor, um, and it's all named Twisted because it sort of goes along with my movement theory of, like, not staying straight-bodied. If there's only one thing you can do, like, forget the splits and perfect backbends and great needle scales. Like, if you can just twist a little, a lot of things can come your way. And so everything's sort of branded as Twisted. It's a, you know, the Nadia brand, pretty much. <laughs> Which do you, And you feel like that's accessible to people all levels? Because I'm like, oh, I could never learn from Nadia. She's like amazing. But. I know. So honestly, so not I know that I'm amazing, but so many people. <laughs> yeah, so many people get terrified because honestly, yeah, like I do a lot of crazy shit. Like I live on the edge all the time and I would never teach those things to like any student. It actually like what I love to teach is movement theory. So I'll go back to the very basics. Like let's climb and invert. That's like a big part of it, but like how you climb, how you invert, how you climb on top of an outside leg hang, like it's a very low intermediate level that I just like to get all the details on and put all of the movement theories and people that are more advanced than that, they can take the same ideas and suggestions from how to invert in a basic invert and use that in a shoulder mount, use it in a handspring, use that in like some crazy combo. And that's what I really love to teach. I don't, I, I rarely, rarely ever teach crazy shit. That's like for privates if they beg me, you know, but okay. definitely it's very accessible to like, I'd say a low intermediate level, not beginners because you need yeah. to have like some, you know, more knowledge. Yeah. But I'd say like a low intermediate, definitely. Oh, cool. Okay. So then how do people, so this is your channel. It's on UPA, the UPA website. And mm -hmm. people just subscribe. You have to pay for this. Like, what is? How does that? Yes. Yeah, so, um, so uh, we didn't do like any membership or anything like that. It's like super easy. You just go on upa.tv and then you find my channel. There's probably there's like um, other channels that exist on there. Like Stretch It is also a channel and some other channels. Um, and then you can see all the workshops and you just purchase like one. And they range anywhere from ten to twenty dollars. Um, and then you, you have that stream for six months. So you can go back to it and watch it on repeat for six months. Um, and yeah, they're like super affordable. A lot of them are like the average price is about 14.99. And so that's like unheard of for taking a class with me, you know, like most people are paying 60 to $75 to, to take a workshop with me where they can't record the whole thing. So this is like, honestly, like a fraction of 
and of you that do cost. It over and over again. Over and over. Just watch me over and over. <laughs> Creep out on you. Okay. I'll put, right? <laughs> I'll put the link to that in the show notes too if anyone's interested in checking that out because it sounds really interesting. And then maybe it is like a good intro to see like how you do teach. So then when you do mm. come through town, it's like, okay, now you, yeah, right. that. so, cause I always say that, like, I don't need pole stars knowing like how much I struggle with my inside, like right. something, you know? So I'm always like really timid to take workshops because I feel like I'm going to look like a fool, but sounds like it's like, that's what it's, it, you work it to the level of the students. Definitely. Yeah. Like even signature tricks, like a lot of people, then there's like the other half of the people that like want to do all this crazy yes. shit. And it's like, mm, we're not doing that though. Like I want to see you do a rotating climb and a little before you invert. Like that's what, and I think they start to get why I'm doing that. So if there's only one like workshop that I recommend to anybody and it's like a totally, it's an all levels workshop and it's really popular is my spins on static one. It's like a science class. It's like half lecture, half lab. And people are like, you know, like so many light bulbs go off in that. And I just, I love teaching it, you know, and it's one of the easiest workshops physically, but one that I see people grow like within 30 minutes, like technique is changed. And now you're just going to spin. All spins are going to be better now just from that, you know? That's cool. Yeah, because sometimes yeah. it's just wrapping your brain around things. Like, wait, mm-hmm. how are you even? Oh, you just do this, and then you can, like you say, apply it to all your other moves. Okay. It's like right, yeah. Movement theory, you call it. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, that sounds really interesting, and I'm going to have to take one um, of your workshops now. But yeah, until yeah. That happens, until that happens, um, what else? What else are you working towards? Like, what's your trajectory moving forward? Because you've been touring for so long, and girl, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm assuming that can't go on forever. But like, do you have like ideas of where you want to take Nadia? Um, I mean, honestly, like, what I would really like is you know, to keep promoting Twisted TV and keep growing that. So I've also started recording like a season two where I just want it to be more of the science and more of the theories of movement. Um, And that's mostly just because like I realize my body can't do this crazy shit forever. I don't know how much longer I have, but you know, I can still do it now. Um, but I realized that I, you know, this is an industry that has changed my life and I love it so much that I just want to continue to give back and watch it grow. Like when you watch, um, gymnastics, like in the seventies, it's like so classic. And then you watch gymnastics now and it's like, what the hell, you know? So I hope that that happens with us too, but not just in a trick orientation, but with an overall like twisty movement, windy, spinny, mad style like that's what I I would hope starts to increase and I feel like that's kind of happening where it's like acrobatics meets like Russian stripper meets like you know something exotic but weird but like really um aesthetically pleasing you know that's what I'm I'm hoping the industry will go towards so I want to sort of help promote that movement um something else that I've been working on that's like, Oh, so close to being ready is, um, uh, the, um, this, this clothing here, I'll show it to you. Cause I'm, I'm in love with it. I'm actually doing a 14 hour flight where this is literally like what I want to wear. Um, so it's like this onesie with like these huge pockets. 
Okay. And like I'm going to talk it through. Open back. Just listening to the audio. So um, I'll put a screen. I'll put a. Um, do, if you have links to it, I'll put that in the show notes. But it's like this. Like oh, I'm terrible at fashion. So it's like a onesie <laughs> jumper, cotton lycra with. It has like really cute um halter top low it has a low back so it's kind of like sexy but it has kind of like a um festival style i would say to it yeah 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 pockets and who doesn't want like are those pants or shorts those are pants right yeah they're pants here i'll show you oh yeah okay that's really cute but they have like the baggy butt hip area Mm -hmm. cute it's like you can definitely um you can, well, if you have skill, you can definitely pull in that. But if not, you can definitely stretch, work out, um, yeah. pop in that, you know, and it has the open back so you can do your your, your shoulder business and, and not slip off. So you mm-hmm. are creating a, a fashion line. Like, is it pole wear? Is it athletic wear? I mean, I'm hoping that it's just like um, movement wear. So yeah. it's not necessarily, yeah. And it's like very easy that, you know, if you are going to the studio, you could easily wear your pole wear underneath. You yeah. could easily like run errands before or after you could go to a meeting and not look like a hobo. You could go to the grocery store and not look like, cause I'm always looking like I'm homeless. I told myself like, I want to just not look homeless, but when all you're doing is going to the studio, I'm going to be in like sweats and a hoodie. And then yeah. I'm like, meeting my friends for drinks at happy hour and then feeling really bad about myself, you know, like, and so with this, like, I feel like I could easily roll on the floor, do all my stretching, do all my warming up, easily take it off, do my pole stuff and then put it back on and go out to normal real world where, you know, go to Seven Eleven and not look like I'm begging for money, you know, like, yeah, yeah, the oversized t-shirt or hoodie and like sweatpants or yoga pants, like, I get the functionality of that, but yeah, it's not like cute to even go in the grocery store with, but now you look so cute. You've solved our problem. (laughs) Honestly, like I've given a lot of them to my friends and every time I see them, they're wearing them and they're like, I haven't taken it off for five days. I keep wanting to wash it, but it just hasn't happened. They're just (laughs) extremely comfortable and easy. You don't have to try and match. It's like one whole outfit done. You're done. So I'm very in love with it myself. Um, So I think mostly what I want it to be is like, I'm hoping that, um, you know, when people, uh, you know, learn from me, like I'm doing also an intensive, I have a two day intensive that's called twisted and I'm hoping that, you know, they take the intensive and they'll probably want one of these. And then it's kind of a way to continue to like, see, um, see my clothing on the movement. So, you know, people could wear it and then be like, oh, I'm practicing some of the movements that Nadia taught me. And it's kind of like all one sort of vibe where it's like this sort of a festival feel is totally right. And that's kind of the movement that we do too. It's kind of festive and free and like vibey. So I'm hoping that it all kind of like a look meets the movement and it just sort of blends into one beautiful thing. I love that. Yeah, you're like branding yourself on people's movement when it's not super apparent that they've learned from you, but then they're wearing you. And so you're still like influencing their movement. That's. I hope so. I hope that this also like, it's kind of like a thing. Like my mama always told me like a real dancer is always ready. And I'm like, okay, so I'm always going to wear sweats and a t-shirt and I'm always ready. But then it like, it gets old, you know, when you're 21, you know, you could get away with looking like a hobo, but I'm not feeling like that anymore. (laughs) 
Um, so with this, I still feel like I'm always ready. Like if I end up at some backyard party, like I could still get weird on like a bar table, you know, and like do a bridge or a handstand and like still show off or, you know, those type of things. Um, which is a big reason why I continue to train, like very much so inspired by party tricks. Um, I realize like I'm going to be retiring pole dancing at some point, but I hope that I will always be able to bust out a party trick. Um, at any given point, yeah, I've been practicing gonna, like you're gonna be like the that aunt at all of the weddings. It's like, oh, that's, that's aunt Nadia. She's the one doing like the worm or the handstand across the dance floor. Like everyone has that aunt. Yes, I get to like the breathe out. <laughs> yes, that's what I. That's my goal right there. Like if I could just continue to do that, then I'd be very, very satisfied. <laughs> that's fun. That's a good goal to have. Always like. <laughs> <laughs> always be like the fun person at a wedding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's my main motivation these days. Oh, well, very cool. Um, I wish you luck with that. They're really, they're really good looking. So I'm sure they'll do well. And then like people will follow you on social media and you'll post about it when they're available for sale. Yeah, definitely. Should be very soon. I think like, you know, towards the end of the year. Yeah. Probably like another couple months. Yeah. It's cool. Okay. So let's jump into the second part of the interview, the questions mm. I ask everyone. Mm. Okay, so who is Nadia Sharice pole crush? I mean, obviously my one and only forever is going to be Felix Kane. Um, I just feel like she's this beautiful fusion of like a prima ballerina meets like nasty girl stripper. And she just like blows my mind. Her, her body, her movement, her genuine feel, she's like my everything. Um, over the years, I've also like watched Yvonne Smink turn from into like this little caterpillar into this like amazing butterfly of like this nonstop creator, rotational movement, beast, beauty, everything. So <clears throat> Yvonne is my, my latest crush, like my up and coming pole star crush. Uh, yeah, those are my two. Cool. Yeah. No one's ever mentioned Yvonne, but, um, Felix comes up a lot. She's like, like I said before, she's kind of like everyone's intro- introductory pole person. Like, what the hell? I want to do what the hell she's doing. Like, yeah, I just want to do that. I just want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Little do we know how freaking difficult that is. I still can't do what she does, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So how would you like to see the pole community evolve over the next five years? Um, I hope that, uh, we kind of touched base on this earlier, but I really hope that, um, style comes a little bit harder. Um, a lot of competitions have been like almost a snooze fest. Luckily we got pole theater. Pole theater did really good things for the industry where people started getting weird and funny and dark and twisted and sexy and pushing the boundaries of like what is, was happening in all of these like sporty competitions. So I, I do like the, the path that pole theater is taking where it's more artistic and entertainment um, and see, seeing that come through. Yeah. That's what I really hope. Yeah. It's like we've entertainment about, value. Yeah. We talk about that a lot that like, obviously there's validity in the, in the competitions that are way more like structured in terms of like, um, skills and, um, execution and, and things like that. But there is something about wanting to be entertained, like as, you know, most people, it's hard to sit and watch, you know, for hours, something that does not bring entertainment value, especially just people who don't know pole, 
you know, because we want to expand. We want to be able to bring our homegirls and homeboys. And I agree. Yeah. They want to see pole theater. Uh, they want to see pole theater. Yeah. And I think, I think what it was is like a lot of people were thinking, oh, we're going to get sponsored by Nike or something. But that if Nike came to one of these like sporty competitions, they'd be like, this is not exciting at all. And I love pole dancing. And even at those competitions, I'm like, oh, I need a drink. Um, but I think like what we should do is go more towards like getting like alcohol brands to sponsor us, like mm-hmm. come to pole theater, Smirnoff, come sponsor yeah. us, Bud Light, you know what I mean? Like they would be down for something like more entertaining, just throwing that out there to the world of people looking for sponsors. Yeah, for we us. Saw, yeah. with on um on our my interview with Alethea Austin about this pole dance America, we said that exact thing, like that we need like Budweiser money or we need Jack Daniels money and like yes. anyone out there has connections to these companies that wants to send up set up some like hello some yes. branding there some sponsorship opportunities I mean right yeah because you know the the events that turn into these like you know evening spectacle shows it's like theater it's like you know, beyond theater because it's athletic and it's dance and it's art and it's, you know, so I think this would be some fan Smirnoff. That's a good one. Right. Yeah. Like anybody, honestly, like isn't monster down for some stuff like that? Yeah. Right. Too bad. Sparks, you said is already, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. yeah, I would be hitting them up. Definitely. They fueled my career. <laughs> yeah. Everyone be cracked out at the competitions, but <laughs> good times. They'll be screaming at least. Right. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. You have people really engaged with the show. But um, yeah, I think that's totally true. So um, yeah, more in more fun competitions. And that is another thing I wanted to I forgot to mention, because I don't think you did it at Miss Pole Dance America. But I saw you at Pole Expo, you did a group routine that was in Miss Pole Dance America. Oh, yeah. So like that is an example. So um, Brandon Grimm choreographed this piece that was Mm a um, Alice in Wonderland themed um, performance piece. And I'm going to put the link to that in the show notes because to me, that's the caliber of what pole shows should be. The yes. costuming was amazing. The storytelling was amazing. Yes. The choreography was, you know, so engaging. Everything like was just s- such, had such showmanship and, and they, you performed it and um, at pole, let's see, did you do it at pole show LA or... No, yeah, it was at the, um, it was at Pole Expo in the Pole Classic, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's right, okay, so, um, yeah, so that was an amazing piece, and, like, I'm gonna put that in the show notes for people to reference, because I feel like, do you feel like that is exemplary of the kind of showmanship that you would hope to see? I mean, honestly, like, when I saw the piece, I was so blown away, I was like, ugh, and I kind of told Brandon, like, you know, you should just add a caterpillar and I'll just, like, be smoking in the corner, you know? Like, I want to be in this. So if you're ever going to do it again, just let me know. And it was kind of a joke. But then he was like, we're doing it again at Pole Expo, so I have your caterpillar costume ready. And I was like, oh, my God, we're doing it. I'm doing it. And, because yeah, because when I saw it, it was so game-changing and everything that a show should be. Like, it's not just pole dancing. Pole dancing is not enough. It has to be, like, Epic costumes, epic music, lighting, props, all the things like extra, you know, more, bigger. Yeah. Storytelling, so, yeah. And Brandon knows how to do that. You know, he does all that like drag queen, um, like make you something in that you're not in 
I love that. It was just, and it's like classic Alice in Wonderland. Who doesn't like, you know, the psychedelic? Yeah. Yeah. Like you just took the right pill and you're watching this and it's, Bomb. Yeah. It's yeah. I just so love proud seeing, of him. like, yeah, I love seeing Paul evolve and I love seeing shows like that, you know, come about. And it really makes me feel like, oh, yeah, we're getting into some next level shit, you know. Yeah, that's what it is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't know that's how you got involved. So that's, <laughs> that's invited cool. myself yeah, as a joke and then was like, he's like, okay, you're in. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Caterpillar, honestly, that was the best piece ever. I got a 45 second solo. And I sat there for five minutes smoking in the corner. It was <laughs> the best like gig ever. I had such a good time. <laughs> yeah, it was fun to watch too, for sure. <laughs> and then also another thing I know that we could should quickly touch on is I know that, you know, speaking of you reaching out to people when you say that you really appreciate something they're doing, is that you mm-hmm. also did that for um, Black Girls Poll? Is that what it's? Yeah. I might mm-hmm. believe, but it's Black Girls Poll, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you reached out to them and you've performed for them as well just because you liked their message and. Yeah. Well, I was like, you guys better let me in. And if you don't, there's going to be a big problem because, like, you can't just let black girls in. You know, like, you're not the only minority and na 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 na. And Delilah's like, okay, you could be in. Relax. I was like, okay, good. And I think, like, it's kind of been a message that people were really uncertain about, especially international people like Europeans really have no idea. Like no black people really are getting shot at a lot more than anybody else. Like that's not, it's not a joke and it's not um, a lie and it's not being exaggerated. It's probably been happening a lot longer, but now that we all have smartphones and Facebook, like it's more, I don't know, out there and so I just wanted yeah I wanted to to help them and support them and I think also having somebody that's not black would kind of get the message a little bit clearer I think like for marketing purposes saying black girls poll is like very memorable but I don't think that's really the only message it's you know just about community and support for people that are kind of you know uh lesser advertised if that makes sense and I think because you know you have such a following and you've you know are so known in the pool world it was really nice you know a a bonus I think would be for you to be able to promote that message so much you know and get the black girls polls uh black girls poll name out there yeah definitely like I wanted to be a part of it and I, I wanted to be that person to be like look this isn't just about black girls poll like that's not what it's about It's not like, oh, go make a white girl's poll. That's not what this is. It's just about, you know, right, like supporting each other and supporting people that are, you know, just don't get the same opportunities that everybody else does and, you know, just getting out there. And uh, I also feel like, you know, there's there's a piece of me that's like, as a Pakistani girl, um, there's been like some things kind of thrown at me, like, you know, like when I go to the airport and they see my name and they want to check my bags and do anything extra. And it's like, I know it's because I'm Pakistani. If I was not with the Pakistani last name, I don't think we'd be going through all this. So there's been definitely times that I felt, you know, discriminated against or, you know, profiled for some reason. So I did, it did like touch me too. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. So in solidarity. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. So did we touch on everything that you can share? We touched on everyone that you're involved with. Um, 
Uh, and we touched on your upcoming tour. We touched on your um, your Twisted TV channel. I'll put your yeah. social media in. The Thank show you. Is there any, of course. Is there anything else coming up you want to share? Uh, well, I would like to talk about Fistful of Steel. I don't really have any connection to it, to be honest. I'm just really stoked for it. And I know that they're, um, it might be the end of their campaign just now, but uh, you know, it's a huge project um, that's going to be an international project all over the world um, within a really amazing team. It's not just um, one or two people, but it's a huge team of very professional, high, um, high level, you know, videographers and editors. So I'm just very Can stoked to see. Can you tell people see. what it is? I don't know. It's a pole dance documentary, pole <laughs> dance film. Yeah, I actually don't know too much about it because I'm not I'm, I'm not in the documentary. I've just been like following it and I'm aware of like who's making it and everything. So I know that it's going to be like next level epic and I'm yeah. just really stoked for it. Yeah, it's so basically it's a documentary being spearheaded mm-hmm. by um, Anne-Marie Davies, who we talked about earlier. And it's a documentary about the emergence and evolution of contemporary pole dance as told by the people who have shaped the industry. Um it's a super important project. I love that you're so stoked about it and have been promoting it, but you know, it's, it is, it's because it hasn't been filmed all the way yet. People don't know what it is. So like they're going around the world and interviewing people and like putting together, Mm -hmm. documenting the history of contemporary pole and talking to some pretty major people, but it's expensive. So actually, um, there will be one more day left. If you were listening to this, the day that, um, the day that this is launched, you'll have one more day to um, donate to the film to um, okay, Indiegogo. But um, I'm going to put the link to it in the show notes just because if you miss, you know, the donation period, there's still other ways you can support and just follow them and, you know, help in any other way or just be aware of it and be pumped when yeah. it comes out. So Right. Yeah. Just raising awareness and like sharing it is like pretty much like what I just want to be able to do for Fistful of Steel. Um, I don't have lots of money to... To, to give, but I definitely do want to raise awareness just so I feel like it might not be as big of a deal the day that it comes out, but I feel like later it's going to be such a big moment that everybody's going to refer back time to capsule, it. Like, yeah, that's what it is. Mm-hmm, time capsule. Right. So I'm, I'm stoked to, to see it. Yeah, me too. Totally. Ah! <laughs> okay. So before I let you um, leave and catch your flight um, off to Australia, um, can you leave us with an empowering message or quote just to sign off with or an, an I'm sure. Yeah. Um, uh, this is just going to come off the top of my head, but I'm just going to say like, I hope that everyone, um, watching or ever having listened to this can feel a moment of freedom in movement. Dance can be whatever the fuck you want it to be. It does not have to be perfection. It does not have to be game changing. But if you can feel it in your heart and in your soul and you feel live, then that's what you're chasing for. So um, I hope that everybody gets to feel that at least once in their life. Yeah. And take one of Nadia's workshops if you like need to connect with that more. (laughs) Yeah. Take my class. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Nadia, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was so fun to talk with you. I know. I'm, I'm so thankful that I got to be on it. And thank you for having me. Yes, of course. Bye. Okay. Mwah. Bye. Mwah. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Pole Parlor podcast. Want more? Visit poleparlor.com for show notes and to link to the Facebook group where you can connect with other poleaholics and continue the conversation. 
Listen to past episodes and subscribe to new episodes on the website, YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Lots of love, babes. Thanks for listening.